it's queued you up there. It is half past nine. That means it's time for movies with Simon Kingsley Holmes. Good morning, Simon. Hello. How are we today, sir? Um, not bad. Well, we're a little bit stressed. I'm off to Auckland tomorrow, so I'm, I'm worrying um, about all that. I haven't been to Auckland in ten years or something like that. You really, you, you're worried um, whether or not you've got powerful enough deodorant to stop you from sweating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My 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 Playboy deodorant that was given to me at Christmas is still going strong. So uh, oh, stronger than half. Uh, um. <laughs> yeah, I outlive. I've I've outlived him. Although, I, and I smell nicer than him right now as well. So, mm. anywho, yeah. Well, I didn't have to do today. No, I'm fine. I, uh, I I've I had a very long, tedious conversation on Facebook with some people because I said I didn't. I rewatched the original Blade Runner before the new one. I comes saw out, that, and I didn't like it. I tried again. I don't like it. It's I fell asleep. Boring. Uh, yeah, I watched it on Saturday night. I fell asleep. It's nice to see that there's a there's there is there are some people who are willing to admit that they don't like it. Either. Oh, I started watching it at three a.m. So. Oh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. I was kind of, I was kind of enjoying it. Yeah. But anyway, let's get on to the films at hand. Yes. All right. Okay. So let's um let's 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 do let's do the difficult one first, and then we can have fun afterwards. Um. So there was eight releases this week, and I saw two. Um. Because I'm very good at my job. And so the first one we're going to talk about is called I Am Not Your Negro. This was uh, this is a documentary that came out last year. It was nominated for an Oscar, uh, lost out to The People versus O.J. Simpson. Um, and I saw this one at the film festival, and I wrote a review for it on my blog, which some of you may have read, I don't know. Um, and uh, so I'm basically, because I thought, uh, I was very happy with my review that I wrote on my blog, so I'm just going to read that again. Um, but I should say, uh, we, sh- we should uh, should say, uh, part of this review has a certain confessional element to it, and there is going to include a certain racial slur. So if you don't want to hear that sort of thing, tune out for the next uh, couple of minutes. So you don't say the N word, can you? Can you just go the something word? The something word. <laughs> Whatever it is, the word you're going to be using. It's not. It's um. It's well. Uh, okay, I'll try and sk- try and skirt around it. But I don't know if that makes it worse. We'll see how we go. Anyway. So bearing in mind, I wrote this on my uh, I wrote this on my blog, so I'm just reading out uh, re- reading out loud here. Uh, so I am not your Negro. Uh, the very act of my writing this review is a betrayal of everything this documentary has sent me away with. The world does not need another white voice. Yet here I am, filling up 750 words of space that should rather be given to someone from a culture that has none. Make no mistake, if you are a white person going to see this documentary, this has a lot to say to you. As a left-leaning white male, I realised early on that it was useless to once again watch a film about racism with my empathetic hand over my disbelieving mouth in shock at the awful beatings and lynchings and hate speech machine gun throughout this film by white people. And do not for one second think that this is just addressed to white America, it's all of us. The film's tone, like the author's, is one of anger and tiredness, and its address to me was, shut up, watch and listen, Simon, it's self-awareness time. If you're unsure where I'm going with this review, then I should state that I think it's easily one of the best documentaries of the decade. It's based, uh, it is based around the unfinished manuscript by an African-American writer and intellectual James Baldwin, who in 1979 decided to write a book about the black experience in America. Starting from the violent deaths of three friends, Medgar Evers, Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, he utilised these events as a basis from which to dissect white perceptions and expectations of black people, whether left or right, be it the outright, undisguised hatred of neo-Nazis, the police, the average right-wing protest or the angelic left-winger whose back makes the loudest, most self-satisfied sound when he or she pats it. All of us are under Baldwin's spotlight. Now, 
This is not going to be a review discussing other white people's mistakes. I have baggage. I have said, thought and done many things that are racist and I probably still do, though I try to keep my prejudices in check. I have a vivid memory of defending to an entire classroom the use of the phrase Turn off now if you don't want to hear it. Packy shop to mean corner shop as being a fine to say having never even met a Pakistani person, let alone ever even thought to ask whether they thought that phrase was racist or not. That is just one infraction, so I am saying that I am a long I'm in a long, long period of learning, and this film is one that, like the best criticism, is stern but constructive. Ideally, it will send us white people away with a lot to think about ourselves and our relationship with those around us. For people of colour, it hopefully will send you away with some sense that certain imbalances are being righted. Director Raoul Peck's choice of film clips is pitch perfect in the way that he takes both hugely outdated racist films from the 20s and 30s to the progressive films of the 60s and 70s and picks them all apart to uncover how little has actually changed on a cultural level. He and editor Alexandra Strauss then really smartly juxtapose this with a documentary history of oppression and injustice rolling on from slavery and mugshots of young black men in the 19th century to cell phone footage of riots in Ferguson, Missouri in 2014. Throughout this maze, and maze-like it is in that it is beautifully constructed work with no easy way out, you have the twin voices of Samuel L. Jackson conspiratorially reading Baldwin's words and that of Baldwin himself. Baldwin comes across as a man both fearsome in his intellect and yet someone you feel would engage you whoever you are. He is cool and collected when listening to anybody else, no matter their views, and then his body language whilst he speaks is bursting with splenetic energy. He's clearly an extraordinary man and how great to see his work so successfully put out to a wider global audience. But let's stop before we get into cheap platitudes. This is not an easy watch. You need your wits about you because it crams a lot into its 93 minutes. You have a documentary that easily sits alongside the best of Errol Morris and Alex Gibney, not just in terms of its seamless marriage of style and reportage but also its dense but clear storytelling and its scorched earth policy towards quote unquote the truth make time to go and see it be challenged and provoked you may need it all right there we go very good yeah very eloquent that's uh, obviously you know people can't believe that was written by me but uh, <laughs> i'm shocked <laughs> So, yes, I, I do think it's absolutely... I mean, it was clearly, when I saw it, it was the first obvious five-star film of the year. It's a really extraordinary piece of work, and I urge you to go and see it. Um, but uh, quite, uh, on the opposite end of the scale... School holidays, sorry. Uh, school holidays. Uh, yeah. Hi, kids. Um, it's uh, Captain Underpants. Yes. What a, what a complete... Oh, <laughs> how very serious and sobering. Captain Underpants, brilliant. Hey! The first Captain Underpants, the first epic movie. Uh, it's from DreamWorks um, Animation Studios, uh, directed by David Soren, whose previous film was Turbo, which was one about a very fast snail. Didn't look particularly good, but um, you know, um, hey, uh, who knows? Um, and it's like an adapt. Okay, in that case, um, uh, it's an adaptation of well, about uh, I think technically three of the Captain Underpants books. Uh, the first one, obviously, the Adventures of Captain Underpants, Captain Underpants, and the Perilous Plot of Professor Poopy Pants, and one other book that I think may be a plot spoiler if I if I say what it is, so I won't. Um, but this tells the story of best friends Harold and George who go to Jerome Horvitz Elementary School, which Jerome Horvitz is the um, actual name of Curly from the Three Stooges. I didn't know that. Um, where Jerome Horvitz Elementary School, where they spend their days thinking up and executing practical jokes and drawing comic books, most especially about their greatest creation, the amazing Captain Underpants. 
Their mortal enemy is their principal, Mr. Krupp, who is grumpy and angry and hates fun. But by some accident, a hypnosis ring belonging to George turns Mr. Krupp into Captain Underpants at the same time as the evil Professor Poopy Pants inveigles his way into teaching at the school so he can begin his diabolical plan to destroy laughter. So, um, I mean, have you read the Captain Underpants? Did you read no. them? No, I suppose you're, I'm far too old. Yeah, you're a little bit. You were a little bit before their time. Oh, yeah, like, the famous five and the famous <laughs> swallows and Amazons yeah, yeah, yeah. and Oliver Twist. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I, I mean, look, let's just get this up. I loved it. I had a, I had a big, big grin on my face all the way through. I had a, I, it was, it was Saturday afternoon. It was a sunny Saturday afternoon. There's only five people in the film. So what are these, what are these parents doing, taking their children out to enjoy the sun when they could be inside watching Captain Underpants? That's right. That's right. This is disgusting. You need to rectify this one. I mean, I, it was, it was defiantly childish in the way that I really. I mean, we've ju- the Despicable Me Three has just been released on DVD, so it's been playing in JB Hi-Fi. Just watching that again, and I just. Giggling away to myself at you know certain bits and bobs. It's a proper cartoon. I get, again, I get precious about this, but it was a proper cartoon. It's really enjoyable. Uh, and if there's there are things to learn from the film, it does have message to put across, and it's threefold. One, grown-ups are lame and they suck. Two, school is horrible. Three, farts, burping, toilet humour, and the word Uranus are the funniest things in the world. And I really love the fact that there is there is actually some sort of emotional plot beat around the fact that. <laughs> around how funny the word Uranus is said, Mm -hmm. particularly when coupled with the fact that Uranus is a gas giant. Um, This is... um Oh, it's just—it's just fun from from minute one. It was—I just started laugh. I laughed pretty much all the way through, which I can't say about many uh, comedies I've seen. Um, it does that thing of breaking the fourth wall quite a bit, which I think, which I think the books did as well, if I remember rightly. Um, but it, not in any way that's sort of smug or sort of wink, wink. Audience, look at us being all clever. Um, it's 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 inviting. It's inviting you into the fun. Um, and actually, uh, I think the cast really go with it as well, the voice cast. Um, when I saw the trailer, I was thinking, because it's uh, Kevin Hart who, joys, who voices George and Thomas Middleditch from um, Silicon Valley, oh. Valley who um, uh, voices Harold, obviously. So there we go. There's a, another Silicon Valley alumni, alumnus, in uh, in an animated film uh, in two weeks, and this one's completely wonderful, and the last one was completely awful. So, <laughs> said T.J. Miller in the Emoji Movie, which I loved, um, and they're having fun as well. When I saw the trailer, I thought, oh, that doesn't sound right. They they sound like grown ups. I don't know if that well, it sounds like grown up voices. I would be better having, uh, you know, kids voicing the parts. But actually, in the end. It didn't bother me when I saw the film. Once you got into it, it was really good. Uh, it was really good fun, and they seemed to be having fun with it. So that that kind of helps. I'm not sure. I like Nick Kroll. I'm not sure he's right for the for the um, doing the voice of Professor Poopy Bands. I think it needed an older voice in that yeah, instance, yeah. an older, sterner voice. So yeah, it was, but it was fine. It was fine. Um, and it's just. You know, it just—it's. I just say it was defined is because it's so childish. It just has its own logic. It doesn't really care. So people can fall off buildings or whatever, or they can bounce around on great big purple gorillas, and you know, uh, or people can get hit with hammers and whatnot. And it, you know, it's just funny. It's just you know, and there's little consequence, and that's great. It's goofy. You know, it's not. Yeah, it's not there for children to learn from it. It's there for children to have fun with it. Um, and how how great is it? The theme song is by Weird Al Yankovic. Yeah. Yeah, which I, I saw thought, that. Yeah, yeah, which I didn't know going in, and then I heard the thing, and I'm like, oh, that sounds like, oh, oh brilliant. 
So um, <laughs> it's properly escapist fare. I mean, I, I escaped. I was in the cinema and I just forgot about everything in the world for 89 minutes. You know, it was... Um, Stress-free. It just, you know, but my, you know, my frown was turned around. I was full of joyousness and 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 happiness and love for my fellow man, um, uh, which I was with I am not your Negro, but in a different way. In this, I was just, you know, happy to be there and um, uh, and laughing a lot. That's the key thing, laughing a lot. So many films try to make you laugh and they've been through so many committees, so many years of production that it just falls flat. What all this also does is, um, in terms of its style, it has the computer animated thing, but what it does do, it, and I think if you're a fan of the Captain Underpants books, this is the film you want for, from Captain Underpants. It goes to that, um, that thing they do in the books, the flipperama. So where you had the, the, you make your own animation, like a flip book in, you know, mm -hmm. and they, and they do that in it as well. And then it goes to, there's a weird bit where, um, it goes to it goes to sock puppets, it's animated sock puppets with the with the the I think the robots from the first book they turn up and there's, um, and so it plays around with all of that. So it feels like it's put together with a real joy and love of what they're doing. You know, they're really having fun and really putting some care into into making a dumb entertaining movie, and it really pays off. It really pays off. I d and. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was just great, and it really put across. I've forgotten. Had that kind of Beano uh, or dandy sense of, of you know, of uh, of of the awfulness of school and the grown-up world, you know. And it was it was fun to um, uh, watch that, that stuff I'd forgotten about. Just how depressing it was the daily trudge of school and how practical jokes can just lift you out of that and and you know just make you happy for a second you know so it was it was it was great i loved it take your kids to see it because go all go yourself yeah it's, it's actually it's a genuinely it's a genuine family movie i think because i always judge this on you know whether my family all my family would want to go and see it and i was thinking oh, my dad wouldn't be interested or my mum wouldn't be interested actually i think we could all go and see this and we would really enjoy it and very rarely do i think that i think probably time bandits is one of them uh, it's one of those genuine family movies and possibly up i just uh, the only see i just look at you and i think your family mostly would probably enjoy like i daniel blake or something i think that would be a well we did really family, like i daniel blake film. yeah we loved it <laughs> <laughs> I should say, oh uh, yeah. Also, family film. I mean, me and my brother aren't children anymore, so <laughs> we don't. Got, but you know, um, I have a child's brain, so yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, it's it's. Uh, we're talking about we're talking about two films that are com just so completely diametrically opposed in terms of um, in terms of their their tenor, what they're about, who their audience is. And the rel you know we've gone from like the most deadly serious film to the most frivolously dumb entertaining movie. It is possible to like the two, but to be very aware that you should not in any way compare them. Yeah. But you know, um, so I <coughs> and I was worrying about this. I was thinking, what am I going to make my film of the week? Because I am not your nigger. It's absolutely uh, fire summit. It's one of the best films of the year hands down it's one of the best films of the decade i think um and cat in underpants is you know what can you say it's kind of contained in those two words isn't it mm, yeah so um i think both are film of the week but bear in mind you know they are completely i, I don't i'm not uh, trying to undermine the seriousness of i'm not your negro by putting captain underpants in the same you know as film of the week i'm saying that you know both are really great but they have completely separate audiences yeah or almost completely separate go to both go to both yes um uh should we say i'm not your negro is e-rated so anyone can go and see it 
but be aware of what it's about and what it's tackling. All right. So, all right. All right thank you so much for that, Simon. Thank you. Have yourself a wonderful day, my friend. Oh, I will. I'll probably have someone come up and spit on me after that review. <laughs> probably. Probably. All right. It is now quarter to the hour of 10. Here's quarter of an hour's worth of music.